You know, when something bad happens, we say, oh, it's a failure for the UN, etc., etc. But public in general don't know exactly what is the UN. Uh, they forget that the UN is what the member state wants. We can change uh, every procedure we want if the member states don't believe in the UN Charter. If the people working in the UN don't believe in the UN Charter, it won't work. That was Romuald Alciora and Anne-Cécile Robert, two French journalists and experts in international affairs. They have written a book titled Qui veut la mort de l'ONU, or Who Wants the Death of the UN for non-French speakers out there, arguing that the United Nations is often unfairly held responsible for a lot of the ailments of the world, war, famine, health and environmental crises. I'm Yasmina Gorda, and for this new edition of our UN podcast, The Lid is On, I've been talking to them about what, in their view, needs to happen to safeguard the organization's future. It was created three quarters of a century ago in the ashes of the Second World War to help solve some of the world's biggest challenges. Promote peace, protect human rights, enable economic development, support culture and education, and more. Today, a lot of progress has been made on all those fronts, but the UN is criticized almost daily for not meeting the ambitious expectations of its creation. That's what compelled Ms. Robert and Mr. Siorat to write a book with such a provocative title. We were fed up with uh, hearing bad things about the United Nations. You know, it's very commonplace. People write books uh, and say really horrible things about the United Nations. And it's so unfair. So it started like this. We don't deny all the defects and all the things that go wrong and don't get us wrong, but we wanted to uh, to be fair and uh, write a book that shows how useful the United Nations are. We wanted also to explain and to expose to the public that the UN is a victim of bad fate from a member state uh, very often. And, you know, when something bad happens, when all the time we say, oh, it's a failure for the UN, etc., etc. But public in general don't know exactly what is the UN. Uh, they forget that the UN is what the member state wants and nothing else. So we wanted to explain clearly to a large audience what is the United Nations, what the UN uh, really does, and why uh, sometimes uh, the UN uh, are not responsible for uh, some failure when actually the member states are. And so then, who does want the death of the United Nations? That you need to buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> too many people and too many organizations would like the United Nations to just disappear. But the book isn't uh, about giving names. Uh, we do give names. But the book is um, more about trying to find solutions, saying that everybody can help the United Nations to improve. So it's a book about optimism, about how everyone can act to improve the situation, a very, unfortunately, dangerous situation today. 
As you kind of said earlier, Romeo, the UN is not really one entity. It's uh, it's several pieces that are working together, sometimes not very well. It's also um, the sum of its member states. So I wanted to ask you in this book, which UN are you talking about exactly? What are you really covering here? We are talking essentially about the original ID of the UN, the idea of 1945, this idea of a better world for all of us. And it is this idea uh, what is today in danger around the world. We are talking about the United Nations of the Founding Fathers and the Founding Mothers. Let's not forget uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, which means uh, the idea of a United Nations as a forum where all the international community gather to build an international consensus. It may seem uh, commonplace to say that, but in fact today it's a real challenge because we have powerful states who don't want anymore to come to the United Nations to build an international consensus about anything. And so we wrote this book to remind the member states that the United Nations are an organization but are also an idea, principles, values, and that we need to commit to those values. And the situation we are living in today is very risky because it seems that some powerful states, some are members of the Security Council, don't commit anymore to uh, basic values, the values we wrote in 1945, and we know in what circumstances we wrote the UN Charter. And it's uh, really um, frightening to see that we are forgetting the price we paid to have this United Nations, this organization with those values. So this book is about, hey, wake up. The situation is dangerous. We must commit to what the values of the United Nations are. So according to you, what is the turning point, the moment where you feel like we strayed away from those values? In 1990, everybody was happy because the Cold War was over and we thought that the United Nations could grow in a different world with more efficiency than uh, during the, the Cold War. And there was a good example uh, of that when uh, Iraq invaded uh, Kuwait, the international community and the Security Council was united in saying we must stop this violation of the UN uh, Charter and this aggression of a member state on another member state. But to answer your, your question, from that moment, things started to slip because the idea that going to war was the solution became very uh, widespread. And I think one of the most dangerous thing today is this idea that war can be a solution. And we forget that before Chapter 7 of the UN Charter, there is a Chapter 6 that says we must try to find solutions to conflicts, uh, first of all, by trying to find peaceful solution, diplomatic solution. And I think we need to go back to that. You know, it, it, you always seem naive when you say, well, peace is important, but it is. And one of the things that we need to solve today is this bad idea that war can be a solution. It was a bad idea in Libya. Libya is a, is a nightmare. It was a bad idea in Kosovo in 1999. And I think we still need 
to fight this idea and go back to the basics. What is diplomacy? What are international relations? We need to have diplomatic relations even if we don't like each other. The subheader of your book is From Rwanda to Syria, Story of a Sabotage. Can you share with our listeners some stories that sort of illustrate this sabotage you're talking about? Well, the first example that comes to my mind is uh, Rwanda. Uh, Rwanda is often said to be uh, a failure of the United Nations. I don't think it's true. Who sabotaged the, the peacekeeping operation? Remember, it was in 1994. The Americans were traumatized about what had happened in Somalia two years before. So they didn't want the United Nations to step in and try to solve the, the and prevent the genocide uh, in Rwanda. They even fought the idea that the word genocide should be used. So I think uh, Rwanda is one of the most uh, illustrative example of that sabotage. When you look into the files, when you look at the facts, you see that the member states sabotaged what the United Nations were about to do. We can also uh, talk about Kosovo, etc., etc. But another kind of sabotage, if I can say, it's the reform of the Security Council. We are talking about uh, reforming the Security Council since Daga Marshall, meaning since the beginning of the 50s. Do you realize? Already in the 50s, the Security Council was not really representative of the world order. So imagine today. So refusing to really reform the United Nations Security Council, this is a kind of sabotage. The sabotage is also a financial one. When you see that some countries don't want to pay what they have to pay so that the, the United Nations can work, it's, it's unacceptable. You just uh, mentioned several areas where maybe the UN could be supported more than in its mandate. Your book suggests six ways forward. Would you like to walk us through them? Of course, the reform of the UN Security Council will never happen. It won't happen unless a kind of big shock happens in the world. But something uh, more realistic is a reform of the function of the Secretary General. If we want a United Nations more effective on the political war stage, maybe we should uh, give to the Secretary General function uh, more executive power, more autonomy, etc., etc. So, to answer to your question, uh, this is, from my point of view, one of the most important reforms and a realistic one. We try to be uh, realistic because we perfectly know that we can't have a, a big reform because it would it would be necessary to uh, change the charter, which is uh, really uh, impossible. Uh, so we try to be realistic and we uh, identified um, six possible reforms. The first one was the one that Romuald perfectly explained about the Secretary General. But we uh, have also a proposal about the finance of the organization. We could have a system where you can finance an organization. It's the way the European Union is financed. But, you know, uh, you have a tax on uh, trade or uh, plane tickets, and the sum that you collect with those tax goes directly into the UN budget. It would be possible to imagine that kind of thing that would give the organization some autonomy. 
And we have also proposals about the representativity uh, of the Security Council. We think it's very important that the African continent should be uh, more present in the Security Council in a way or, or another. Maybe a permanent representative of the African Union could be uh, greeted in the Security Council. So basically, uh, our idea is that the reform of the United Nations is more a political problem than a problem of uh, procedures. We can change uh, every procedure we want if the member states don't believe in the UN Charter, if the people working in the UN don't believe in the UN Charter, it won't work. But then my main question here, maybe a difficult one, you have ideas, others have had ideas, um, but who wants to save the UN? Who wants to save its values? The first words of the UN Charter are, we, the people. So what we think is that today, as uh, leaders are failing, it is to the people, to the, the citizens, to civil society around the world, to step in and say, we want the United Nations to work. We want an inclusive United Nations. We want United Nations that speak about our problems. And I think it's time for the people around the world to step in protest for the United Nations, to oblige political leaders to do what they are supposed to do, meaning defend peace around the world, development, the values of the United Nations. Also to your question directly, almost nobody wants to save the UN today. And it's a tragedy of our time. What is at the front of us is edge where we will see the democracy failing, the multilateralism failing, and organizations like the UN becoming obsolete. You will say I'm pessimistic. No, I'm really optimistic, but on the long time. And I really trust in the progress of humanity. But like in every progress, you know, you make two steps, one back, two steps, one back. And unfortunately, currently, we are in the one uh, step back. Uh, so today, population don't really care about UN and uh, multilateralist organizations. They don't really care. You know, just an example. In 2002, when the US were preparing their invasion of Iraq, it was a lot of protest around the world. I remember uh, in France, uh, people by hundreds of thousands were going to the street to protest against this invasion, blah, 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 blah. Today, clearly, America is talking about invasion of uh, Venezuela. And where are the protesters? Where are people uh, saying that it's a kind of push from the uh, US? Where are the people? Today, the new generation are not concerned by what happened in the world as we were with the generation of our parents. Now, I think Ronald is a bit exaggerating. I think uh, the young generations are concerned about what's going on. For example, climate change. So they, they are aware of what's going on. And one of the purpose of that kind of book is to say, well, you young people, you understand that things are not going uh, as well as, as they should. The world is, is scary. We are on the, the edge of, of war, uh, climate change, etc., etc. One of the solutions is restoring the United Nations, working on multilateralism. And the situation is uh, scary, but it can be solved sometimes, you know, uh, unexpectedly, an event. It's often a detail. 
changes everything. And, and it's the reason why it's very important to, for uh, us who write books, who can talk on the UN radio, to speak and, and try to put some ideas on the table so that people can take them and, uh, and use them to improve things. That was Anne-Cécile Robert and her colleague Romuald Siora, international affairs experts and authors of the book Who Wants the Death of the UN, available in French as Qui veut la mort de l'ONU. I'm Yasmina Guerda, and you've been listening to The Lid is On, a podcast from UN News. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Mm-hmm.